I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. Welcome, Money Movers, for another episode of the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood. Our expert today is Puerto Rican journalist, writer, author, TV producer, and reality TV personality straight from the Bronx, BK, New York. She became the first female editor-in-chief of The Source magazine in 2002, and it was under her leadership that the magazine boasted two of its highest-selling issues to date. She has served as a writer, producer, and executive editor, and on-air talent for BET. And you may remember seeing her alongside Angela Yee on the VH1 reality series, The Gossip Game. Named among the New York Post top 25 most influential Latinas in New York, Money Moves, let's welcome Kim Osorio to the podcast. Hi, Kim, and welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to cyber see you here today. Welcome to the Money Moves podcast. Hey, Tanya, thank you for having me. 
So it is super great to have you with us and you have had a long and illustrious career and I'm really excited to share this with our listeners. One of the things that we really love about our show is being able to set out pathways and roadways for others to follow in the success of incredible entrepreneurs and female boss women like yourself. So can you start off by telling us a little bit about how you got into the journalism and entertainment industry? Sure. Um, so I've been in the game for, I like to call it a game. I don't know why. I love that. I've been, I've, I've been in the business for um, over 20 years. I got into entertainment as a writer. Most mm -hmm. people know me from my career as the editor-in-chief of The Source magazine. Yes. Um, so I started writing, just documenting uh, hip-hop culture in the 90s. It was something that I had grown up on, something that I come to love. And I didn't really realize I could find a career in it. Um, I actually went to law school to be a lawyer. Oh. So that was, yeah, <laughs> when you're when you're coming up, you know, kind of uh, in the Bronx like myself and you're going to school and you're following a certain path, there are not a lot of options if you don't have the right mentors to show you That's what's right. out. That's right. So for me, I just always had a passion for the law. I was in interested in it and I went to law school, but it really honed my skills as a writer. And I think it helped me when I got out of law school and started to write on my path um, just as a, as a writer and then ultimately as a storyteller in production. So I work now in television production um, as an executive producer. And there have been so many things um, I've done along the path, but it's really based in storytelling. I love that. And you know what I think is so important about this, and I, I talk about this all the time now, that we are telling our own stories. We are now looking back and we're being able to be the ones who are at the top of the food chain in entertainment, in journalism, and we're telling the stories of black women, hip hop, and our culture. And we're now sort of driving those engines and trains. And I think that is so important because this is how we then set down tracks for like future generations to see how we did this. In your incredible, incredible Incredible career. Um, you've written several books, you've produced many television shows. Talk about, you know, some of the pivotal points that really helped you get your foot in the door and anchor your success. I would say, you know, there were a lot of people that helped me and that recognized my talent as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, but it's awesome because as a writer, I've always been able to put myself into the story. Oh. And we've learned as journalists to keep ourselves out. Yep. So there's like a really, I guess, um, sneaky way that you can do it. Yep. Um, the more that I've done it, the more passionate I've become about the subject matter that I'm writing about. And I think it's really helped me. So as I navigate different areas of life mm -hmm. that intersects with the storytelling that I'm doing. And I think that's something that's really fueled um, my work, Yeah. Uh, even up until this day. So if go back to the 90s and everything that, you know, we were doing back then, covering the culture, it was, I was really living in the culture. Yeah. So it, learning how to document that, tell the story, injecting yourself, but still maintaining that integrity as a journalist. And I think that's what really shines and resonate, resonates, right? That authenticity. And when you go back to the days of the source, right? The source was driving and telling our culture. 
And you know, if you just are able to take a step back and really just be like, I'm telling my story. I'm telling the story of all the females, the men beside me that live this life. I think that's sort of testament to why you were part of, you know, such a revolutionary time in magazine and magazine culture. It's pretty incredible. Thank you. And you know, I think we need to recognize the value in our own stories. If yeah. you watch Netflix, Hulu, whatever it is that you choose to watch, you'll see how we're driving the narratives. Yeah. Um, in television, you know, on the internet, social media. Uh, and if we understand our power, I think that can help us maximize our success. That is so true. And you know, I, I just want everyone to understand like what a powerful force you are because you were one of the first women in history, in the history of the magazine to serve as editor in chief. Like that's a huge honor and it's a huge role to have taken on. What was that like? And did you feel celebrated and powerful and like you'd made it at that time? It was, it was very empowering. I talk a lot about women in, um, you know, positions like the one that I held. Uh, back then, I was the first editor-in-chief mm -hmm. of the Source magazine. Female editor-in-chief, sorry. That's big. Back then, I was the first female editor-in-chief of the Source magazine. But I wasn't the first female editor, right? And it's important to note that there were many who came before me. Mm. And they achieved certain levels in their respective areas, yeah. right? Whether it was another magazine, whether it was a different... Um, department of the magazine, they reach those heights. And a lot of times when you get to that, that's celebrated, right? Yep. You're celebrated as the first female editor in chief. Right. But as a woman, you also have to own your power and say, it's not just that I'm a female, which makes me important in this role. Or qualified or great or excellent. You were like, I'm just excellent. <laughs> right. I'm often, I often use this thing where I'm often called on these days, like, you know, 20 years later, to talk about women in hip hop, yep. right? And people are, you know, I'm very, very proud of that. I'm very, um, every time I'm very grateful when people come to me and ask for my expert opinion. Mm -hmm. But if you study the game, you'll see that a lot of times I'm rarely asked to speak on other issues. Huh. And as a woman who has grown, you know, after 20 years in her career and has so much more to offer, I wonder about that, why we're still stuck in this place when we're looking for experts on certain things, be it hip hop, a very yep. male dominated industry, right? I'm not called upon for that. So it's just something I've analyzed over the years and wondered about because there are still many hurdles that we need to overcome as women. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's, 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 we're working on like sort of expanding that myopic vision, like, oh, Kim only knows this thing, but no, like right. in order for you to have achieved what you have achieved, it has taken so much knowledge and years of expertise in a lot of different domains, a lot of different domains. But I think, you know, being able to tell your story um, is helpful for that. So I understand you've also written a book. I did. I did. Back in 2000 and Eight, I wrote a book about my time at The Source, and that mm -hmm. book was published through Simon & Schuster. It was called Straight From The Source. Um, that was a very transitional time in my career mm -hmm. because I was telling my own story. It was one of the first times I took the power in my own story and decided to write about myself. And that book um, was the beginning of my career even in publishing because I work with a lot of people as even sometimes a ghostwriter. Yeah. 
Um, you know, so for, for the, oh, I know there's some secrets in there. So I wish, please <laughs> right. spill them, Kim. And then, and then there's collaborations, right? So people often come to me to tell their story. And I've been working with a few different people on, on those, um, on those projects as well. So in that book, I know you shared a lot of gems about the industry. Can you talk about some of the major obstacles that you can recall over the course of your career? Because I feel like, you know, we all are reveling in success 20 years later, but let's talk about some of the stumbling blocks that um, you mentioned. Well, I talked a lot about the case that I filed against the magazine at the time, against the owners of the magazine. Um, It was a case that I feel was a little ahead of its time. Uh, when, for example, hashtag me too became yeah. a thing. Wait, so Kim, just give, give us a brief overview of the case in case people haven't read the book or don't know the story. And then we'll get into the obstacles piece. Cause I think this is really important. So, and you know, in two, I was at the source from 2000 to 2005. And after I was let go, I filed, um, a sexual harassment, mm-hmm. gender discrimination, defamation, and, um, I think I left out one claim of the book. So there were four different claims, but I filed mm-hmm. that against the magazine. And so, and retaliation, that's what I left out. Very important because I actually won the case on defamation and retaliation. So mm-hmm. that was a case that was, um, you know, in federal court. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of complicated issues that many people don't even understand to this day when we talk about a sexual harassment yep. claim or case. Like that's still something that I think, you know, people understand the general concept, but when you get into the courtroom and the legalities and the procedural issues that you have to deal story. with to be victorious in such a claim, we are still fighting that fight. Yeah. So, you know, when we see things like the hashtag Me Too movement come out years later, that's a step in the right direction mm-hmm. because I believe there is way more power in the court of public opinion than I do in, you know, sometimes the, the court, court of law of the United States. Yes. Which and is I incredible know. because your background is in law. So you were prepared, you know, and you understand that mentality. And I, I, I don't know if that, that's, that's a really powerful statement, what you've said, the court of public opinion. It's, um, it's something I believe because of a lot of personal experiences mm-hmm. in my own life. You know, I've seen the power of the media. I've worked in media. Um, and then I fought battles in the court system and I'll tell you my experience is that people will are more concerned about their behavior when there's a light shining on them that's right so when you you know you really have a lot of power that's why I said in the beginning of this interview there's so much power in our story yeah because our stories that are out there are really more even empowering than and you know if you go fight a case in court you don't have the right attorney uh, you know, you have no wins. You have it doesn't no matter win. yeah. what yeah. the facts of the case are. You got to be able to navigate the system. Yes. Um, yes. So that's why a lot of times having, you know, that court of public opinion and having that media play um, can be really helpful. And that's why I take my role in media so seriously, because I understand how much power comes along with that. Of course, and just having allies that can give a voice to those who perhaps, you know, don't have all that light shining on them, aren't the celebrities that can, you know, have a whole PR team. And I think that's the beauty of what journal, the heart of essence of what journalism and telling and storytelling really is. True, for sure. So Kim, what's next for you now? 
Well, I think I'm really focused now, and it's great that we started off, I think, by talking about entrepreneurialism mm -hmm. to build my own brand in a way that I've never really focused on, you know, um, for a long time. And, and look, I'll say this because I'm a mother of three. I'm divorced. And for a long time, I was chasing checks. Yeah. And we all get caught up in this check chasing um, phenomenon, right? Where you just have to go because you have bills to pay, you have responsibilities, you know, I have a house, I'm taking care of that. There's a lot of, of, um, you know, just bills that come along with that. Right. But really building, um, myself as a business. Mm. And in that being said, I'm, I'm proud to say even, uh, as an executive producer, how I started my own production company. And even though it is not doesn't have the infrastructure as another big production company. What I do is loan out my services. Yep. So, you know, it's it's learning how to market yourself so that you're working for yourself. Oh, I love that. And I think that's a really important lesson because, you know, you said something, you've had this career in television, you have all this intellectual knowledge and property that you've built of your own. And how do you turn that into a brand so that you can optimize that. So tell us some of the key points of how you've done that. Because you, even you said you like, you're like, I might not be the biggest production company out there, but how do you monetize that? So it doesn't just feel like you're chasing checks and you're building a brand. I, th I think that's a great question. And I, you know, I'm proud to say that I'm from the Bronx and I didn't know these things until I went and actually had to go through it. Right. Yeah. When I fi uh, filed to become an LLC, uh, back in, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago as a production company, I did that for tax reasons, right? I didn't <laughs> right. understand, you know, I, you know, someone was like, you know, you won't get taxed if you, you know, if, if you get paid as an LLC, I'm like, right. what? I'm going to say, I'm going to get all this money. So I had to learn how to do that as a business. I had to learn how to work as a business, right? As an individual. So I filed my LLC yep. and then the accounting was different, right? So like once you do that and you go sit with your accountant, now you have to be on top of everything. So every little expenditure, right? And and although I was good at, at math in school, I never wanted to do this stuff, right. right? I never wanted to learn about taxes. To me, it was, oh, it was so boring. But you have to learn all of these different things and you have to treat yourself as a business. And that has been a learning lesson for me. Like, you Huge. know, I, the, the first year that I did that, those taxes, I said to myself, why am I paying an accountant? This is crazy. Like, I, I feel like I'm doing everything, yeah. but it taught me because the accountant can't do everything without you being able to say, I spent money on this and this, and was this is company. what it was for. And Oh, right. I love that I you say this because this is the minutia of being an entrepreneur and owning your own business. Everyone thinks, okay, there's somebody else out there that's going to do it. But really like the magic is in the details. If you understand your own business, if you sit right. there and you are like, listen, I understand the tax structures. I understand how I spent this money and how I can write this off. It's really you at the end of right. the day, like you are the magic. <laughs> And knowing that is also empowering, right? Once you understand like, okay, wait, no, I am a business because I don't work for a company. I work yeah. for myself. I'm going from show to show. So every time I go to a different show, I'm with a different production company. So I have to figure out how to make that, you know, how to monetize mm -hmm. myself and my services. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's great. Okay, so books, magazines, television, production. Tell us some of the exciting projects you're working on now um, under this amazing brand of Kim. Thank you. It's it's exciting for me. And it's also um, concerning. Sometimes I think like, what can I say? Because I do have clients as even a media consultant. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wait, can I say that I work with that person? But then when they publicly say it, I'm like, cool. It's out there. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm like, it's out there, so now I can talk about it. So um, one of the book projects that I'm really proud of working on is uh, telling the Foxy Brown story. So I've been working with her on that, and I know a lot of people uh, anticipate that. because Wow, she has everybody wants to know the ins and outs of her story. And she has not talked about it. And so, you know, for, for me, and it wasn't until, you know, this has been a, a long time coming. It wasn't until Foxy said on, on her Instagram, she put it out there. I was like, okay, I can, you know, I can yeah. say that I was able to do that, you know. Um, I also just finished a project with Loon um, for his book that's coming out on Simon & Schuster next year. So we're, we're like in the editing phase of that. And these are stories that are very powerful. I don't know how many people are familiar with his story mm -hmm. and, you know, him going to jail or him converting to Islam and, you know, where he is now after a career in entertainment as a bad boy artist. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, we just finished, I, I don't want to say finished because we're still working on it, but we're finishing up that project as well. Those are the book projects. I have a couple of shows in development and I can't talk about those because all of that stuff is NDA. I love it. I it's juicy. <laughs> We're gonna stay tuned though. It keeps us on it keeps yeah. us on the hook. I also work with some high profile artists that that stuff is NDA, so I never wanna say that. But you know, um, I think, you know, just as someone who's been in media for a long time, to be valued by people who are at a certain level yeah. to pay me for my services as a media expert, that is also been something that has been empowering for me. So many of our Money Moves audience is interested in journalism and media, but the industry has changed tremendously over the last decade. Social media opens the door for so many to be journalistic and create content and be creatives in their own rights and respects. Do you think that in some sense it has ruined the industry or opened it up for more success? I think it's opened it up for more success. And I think there are people who haven't necessarily figured out mm -hmm. how to transition. Um, and that's been hard, right? Because you have to change with the times yeah. and you have to reinvent yourself, right? That's just a rule of the game. So, um, it's been challenging, I think, for people who come from a specific background where the industry was a certain way for journalists, right? Now you're going direct to consumer, you're going direct to your reader immediately with the click of a button. Yep. Um, so you really have to figure out how to monetize that. Yes. Uh, journalists need to understand, and writers and content creators, right? It's, it's not all the same thing. Um, those people need to understand their value uh, when they are being asked to create content mm -hmm. or to write or to report. Uh, because I think in this game, there's become it's become so um, just flooded with talent that now it's really hard to separate the different areas and streams of in income. That's a great point because a TikTok creator is not the same as a journalist. It's not the same as someone who's writing for major publications. But at the same time, there's a lot of different outlets where you can go to and you can get incredible content that's created by, you know, brilliant creatives. So it's, it's, it's hard to navigate this whole industry right now. It's really hard. And especially because now the lines are very blurred. Yeah. So even a TikTok creator might want to interview another artist or TikTok creator. It doesn't necessarily mean that what they're doing is journalism, right? So it depends. They're creating content and there's nothing wrong with that. It's the same. It's the difference with 
uh, blogging yep. and reporting, right? Yes. So a lot of blogs are very, very successful um, and they provide a specific service, right? Entertainment. And so we know that blogging and certain blogs are different than necessarily media outlets and news sources. So we just have to, as users, understand the difference between um, those forms of content. So let's dig into journalism in particular, because I don't know if I'm wrong to say this. It, it does feel like a more elevated form of media and information delivery. And we've had so much banter back and forth about fake news and who's qualified to say which. And I think you're the perfect person to sort of give some insight on to this sort of upper echelon of, of media and content. What's the best way for an up and coming writer to get their foot in the door these days when it comes to journalism in terms of actual print media, you know, or even network television as well? Well, I do believe that because there are so many people doing the same things and looking or, and looking for the same opportunities, that building your own, mm. building yourself is very valuable. Back to, to building your own out. brand. Right. Building your own brand. So, you know, I've seen a lot of even reputable media outlets look for talent based on um, their following. Mm. Right. So yep. even though you know, they might have the skills of a journalist or they may be a little bit more green. Um, media outlets really value the community they build around them. So I think it's important to make sure you understand that as a journalist, because if you're a very strong journalist, and I feel like mm -hmm. our community is getting extremely savvy now, knowing the difference between fake news and real news, right? Now yeah. you know, especially yeah. after the COVID-19 pandemic, right? You can't believe anything you read. You've got to do your research. And I'm very big on research. It's something that I think law school has taught me going and doing my homework, right? So it's not about one source, even if that source is reputable. I'm gonna look at a variety of different sources to be able to formulate my own educated opinion and put it out there. I love that. And you know, something you also said earlier really resonated. It's it's the on authenticity. You're trying to build a community. You're trying to get people to follow you and they really want to follow you for what you have to offer. So like, you know, you might not be the TikTok person who could pull together the best dances while interviewing like Barack Obama. So if you be yourself, people gravitate to that. And that's how I think you really build strong community and connections where people will come back to see what you have to say. Absolutely. I feel like it's really important for your community around you to believe what you're saying. Yeah. So the more authentic you are, the more valuable the content is to your community. To your community, well said. Kim, I'm also very fascinated by the publishing industry and how that's sort of changing. And you've made a great point where you've sort of started your own company, you're out there, you're getting contracts to do ghostwriting and help others publish their books. Can you talk a little bit more about how you've been able to be successful in this industry and what it looks like moving forward? Well, I think what we've heard a lot um, from people like myself is that relationships are currency, mm. right? So you have to understand the value of the relationships that you have. Um, a lot of the publishing deals and even media consultant deals that I have are based on trust between myself and the person that I'm working with. So just like, you know, I, I know we talked a little bit about ghostwriting before, right? You've got to, it's a different skill and yeah. you've got to understand what it is. You can't approach it as a journalist. You've got to speak 
you know, you can use your journalist skills, but you're really connecting with a specific person and doing your best to try to tell that person's story in their own voice. Absolutely. And that's important to understand the difference, right? So like if I go in and, you know, I interview a celebrity for their book, I should not approach that interview the same way I approach it if I were writing a story on them, right? I have to understand what their struggle is and what story they want to tell. Um, and then you use your journalist skills to be able to offer advice, right? So you want to be able to say, well, I think the audience would be interested in hearing this. So have you given any thought to wanting that to be a part of your story? Right. So there's a little bit of finesse that goes in there also. And, you know, I think this is one of the things that people understand. Everyone has their secret sauce, their superpower, their secret talent. Yours was in music. But, you know, the same could be said for someone who might have been, you know, I was a nurse for years. Like, it probably would not behoove me to go after someone in the music industry and be like, I want to tell your story. But perhaps there's someone in the medical industry that wants to ghostwrite a book. So, like, I think it's once people tap into what their superpower is, then it becomes much easier to tell those stories and, you know, pursue careers in those past as well. Agreed. And I, I always remember, right, I got into the business and I started writing about music. Mm -hmm. I was a fan of music. Music is therapy. It's still something I'm very big on. I listen to. It's still something that I've instilled in my children. So that is always going to be a part of me. Yeah. And that has helped me in my writing, understanding that it started with the music so I can connect, especially when I work um, with artists on telling their stories. All right, Kim, you continue to drop all sorts of gems for us. But as we head out of this interview, can you please give us a couple more tips and tricks that you can think of for aspiring content creators, writers, journalists to sort of elevate and take their career to the next level, whether it's book deals, publishing? What are some of the last tips that you want to take us out with? Sure. And as a writer, what I've realized that there are tools out there that I use, no matter whether it's in television, mm. working with specific artists on the media consulting end or writing books, um, start with a proposal. Right. So sometimes that proposal could be if it's for a book, you mm -hmm. go out and get a sample book proposal and you put that together. A lot of times in television production, right, people want to tell their stories visually. So you do a deck. And so you build that deck, you're working with people to execute their vision. So you do that. So you use specific tools. Sometimes it can be as, even as simple as a one sheet that organizes your thoughts and you send to people so that you have that down on paper when you're meeting. Because, you know, we can talk all day, yep. but then when you leave that conversation, you want your client or your partner to be able to take something that's tangible think about it, read it and respond. And you know, me with the law school background, it's like everything in writing, please. <laughs> yes, everything in writing, you know, and I think that's becoming a lost art. And it's funny because we're talking about journalism writing, but like those are your calling cards. And you know, that, that I think also helps to build relationships because you know, that person might take that one pager, put it aside, but they find it a month later and they're like, ah, this is perfect. I need this now. Put it in writing, make your decks, make them beautiful, make them pretty and leave a great impression. I love that, Kim, that's great advice. And it was a pleasure speaking with you today. I always look 
forward to speaking with other powerful women of color where we can just share, build on the strength of our community and learn from one another. So thank you so much for joining us today and spending time and telling us your story and of course your words of wisdom. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thanks Kim and thank you Money Movers for joining us. We'll be back with more on the Money Moves podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.